Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to Gays on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And in this episode, we'll be a taunch... We'll be taunching. We'll be taunching at talking about the raunchy new rom-com that has all the internet ablaze. It's red, white, and royal blue. The gay internet. The gay internet. The only important part of the internet, really. Remember, listeners, there will be spoilers once we get to the headline feature. So, as always, do proceed with caution. But before we get into that, Declan, would you like to tell us what you've been watching? I will, yes. So, a couple of the films I'm going to leave to you because we watched them together. Yeah. But I had a day in the cinema when you were with your friends this past weekend. And I did a double bill. And I went to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant. (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, the new animated version. Hey, that's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. And I give it four star because I loved it. It was like, they were really playful with the animation style, which when you read between the lines, you're like, this probably wouldn't have happened without Spider-Verse. It was really funny. Um, There was loads of like really current pop culture references in there. Um, it was just really fun, um, yeah. and I think it's about a hundred minutes long, and it absolutely zipped by. Um, so uh-huh. I would recommend people seek that out if it's still in cinemas you when you're again? listening. Probably won't watch it. It's not like no. you know, going to change the world or anything. Like nothing. No, but like I'm thinking, if on you wanted to Saturday watch Saturday in Harrogate for my birthday. Mm, no. Okay. Sorry. I guess we'll have to see Blue Beetle then. <laughs> There's a bit of news coming up on that, actually. Can't wait. <laughs> um, and then I also watched The Meg 2, so I adore all shark films, and I just find them so silly. And the opening scene is set in the Cretaceous period, and it's like, this eats that, then this eats that, and then this eats that. That's like one of them pushed ads I get on um, Duolingo. Really? And it's like a fish with a little number one over it, and then it could eat a number two. It could eat a number one fish, but it couldn't eat a number two fish. The number two fish eats it, and one of the stupid animations is like a shark the size of the continent. Well, basically, this then I think if we've seen this in a trailer or a clip, we're like we've seen this full sequence in thing like in the marketing, but then a T Rex comes out and starts eating this carcass that's on the beach and then all of a sudden this massive megalodon jumps out of the sea and eats the t-rex gosh so we know that we're in for a you know they are the yeah top predators didn't archaeologists or is it archaeologists paleontologists i don't know what which you're ones saying. do which ones do fossil bones is it paleontologists? paleontologists yeah didn't they recently discover an animal that they reckon is the largest thing that's ever lived and it was even bigger than Megalodon. The largest thing that's ever lived is the blue whale. It was bigger than the blue whale, this thing. Uh-huh. We've only found like four bones of it, but like based on the size of its vertebrae or something like that. Oh, Very fun fact. But yeah. um, Jason Statham, I mean, <laughs> he does his best. But it's, it's a silly shark film. And the first one was actually quite good, but this one wasn't very good. But I did find it... In entertaining enough for a Saturday afternoon when I had no plans and I just wanted to be in the cinema and forget about the world for a few hours. Yeah. Like, it's a film that I only would probably see thanks to my unlimited card. Um, and, yeah. Oh. I think I give it two and a half. That's generous compared with the reviews I've heard from other of our peers. I mean, I, 
Yeah, it was just like, it was one of those films, it's like, you know, when you're reviewing something, you've got to be like, well, I need to accept it for what it is. Yeah, they weren't trying to make it Which I actually think when we get to the star rating of Red, White and Royal Blue, I think a bit of that comes into it as well. Um, I can't remember what I star rated that. It's on anyway, the bottom of the show notes. We'll talk about um, it later. But yeah, so I saw that. And then do you want to talk about a couple of the films that we've watched yes, together? I do. We watched we watched Men on... Alex Garland's Men. Is it a Prime video? It was, it was on? on Prime, yeah. Prime. Yeah. Um, and like, I think I, was, I knew I was expecting like a weird what? kind of suspense horror thing. Yeah. Um, not sure I was expecting exactly the kind of weird I got, though. No, it was one of the most it fucked was, up things I've ever seen in my life. It was an incredibly bizarre film. Yeah. Like, the ki- the same kind of bizarre, where I feel like if you like stuff like Hereditary, you'd probably See, I don't... Like uh, see, I think I get where you're coming from with the genre and the type of film that it is, but I think my main criticism of the film is it's nowhere near... It's not delivering the point that it thinks it's doing. Not sure what the point was. Well, how do you know it wasn't delivering it then? Because it didn't seem to have any point. There was no clear narrative that this is the this is the point that it's making. I don't know. I felt like every character was like an archetypal male in some sort, in some to- sort of way. And then Jesse Buckley's <laughs> character had to interact with all of these men yeah but where it goes to yeah where it went to is like is where it went really bizarre it kind of remember when we saw that um that secret showing and it was hatching yeah the i, I want to say a danish film i think it was danish from yeah, that was late last year that was well. that was weird <laughs> as well um very unique i think is how i describe it i don't hate that i watched it though because i thought it was really really effective i had goosebumps like waving over my body for at least the first 75 minutes of it yeah and, if and then you, it got weird and, and i kind of lost that if you are squeamish about any kind of body horror do not watch yeah, it yeah don't don't hit that yeah um um very strange i mean alex garland the director i mean he did annihilation which is one film i remember watching i've read yeah, the book weird. annihilation actually as well and i watched that and i was like i have no idea what this is doing I think I liked where it was going, and then it got there, and I was like, oh, this is not what I thought was going to happen. But it's very on trend, I would say. It feels a bit like for him, Annihilation, Ex Machina, On brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, And then... Sorry, I didn't like Ex Machina that much either. Oh, I love Ex Machina. Yeah. Um, Is that the same director? Yeah. Oh, cool. Then, genre shift, we watched The Deepest Breath which is a Netflix documentary it is. about free divers. Um, and I thought it was fantastic. It was very good. For, like, yeah. As a documentary, it told a very interesting and compelling story about kind of aiming for world records in extreme sports and things. Um, and without giving too much away, it was very emotional. Yeah, there's a very emotional story around yeah. it. Um, um, but in terms of like its production, cinematography is just fantastic. Some of the mind-blowing footage from the dives that people do, just... It's honestly, like, it's I know that some humans like to push the body to extremes. Yeah. I know there's like this ilk of people that love doing it. When I was watching it, I was like, that is one thing. Like, I can understand climbing a really high mountain. I could, like, I can get my head... Not understand, but get my head around it. Yeah. Wanting to dive to the deepest possible part. Yeah. Don't get it. And, like, Goes unassist- pitch black. The, the, the record I think they were aiming for was something like 100 and, 103 metres, something like well, that. she was originally aiming for Aiming 101. for 101. Yeah. Um... Which, without any equipment, is, like, really deep. And then we were Googling it, and some of the other records, where they have got kind of equipment to assist them getting deeper, it's, like, 200-odd metres down. Yeah. And what I found really eerie, and this is a bit of a... Not a spoiler, but it is a documentary, so, like, it's not really a spoiler. But what I didn't realise is once you hit... What the documentary tells you is once you hit 30 metres 
at that point the ocean just pulls you down due to the pressure yeah so you kind of see them having to swim and kick for 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 the first 30 meters i mean 30 meters is way deeper than i've ever been when i was scuba diving so honestly sometimes i go to the bottom of a swimming pool and it hurts my ears too much so you know but just the way it just pulls you down Mm. and the the way they talk about like the silence and the stillness because they go into like a meditative state which i think you kind of have to anyway but most people have what do they call it when they pass out they had a word for it a blackout a blackout in like when they come back to the top like literally some of them have blackouts when the hand is yeah most like like after they get out there and they look like zombies when they black out it's so scary yeah but that's not spoilers but it's just you know if you're in the mood for a documentary um, I think it premiered, like, it is, it's an A24 documentary, so you know you're getting, you know, yeah. a level of quality. And I think it premiered at Sundance Film Festival as well. Um, it did this year. So um, I can imagine this might be up for mm. awards during awards yeah. season. I so. think I gave it four stars. I think I did as well. Serves. Do you find documentaries really hard to... To give a star rating to. Yeah, sometimes I find certain films quite difficult. I'm not really sure. I just go with what I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what's been in the news? Anything yet? Well, I mean, nothing really, but we talked about Blue Beetle and I just thought we can discuss. So, Blue Beetle came out this past weekend and is officially the lowest grossing DC film um, opening weekend. It was even lower than Shazam 2. And I just find it fascinating that in a time where... Do I believe in superhero fatigue? Probably, I think they need to start telling fresher stories. At this point, superhero films are arguably Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy, probably. Except those two, all superhero films follow the same formula. Well, DC to me as well, the only way they can seem to do what if they've got a Batman mm. in the oh, title. Yeah. Maybe. Or like, or like yeah, yeah, but the how good Dark that, Knight that, trilogy, yeah. that was really good. And the latest Batman with Robert Pattinson, I adored. Yeah. That was cool. Okay. But I'm I just not, think... But Blue Beetle isn't even in the same genre as them. To but like, people are... At, Pete, opinion. it's got a really high audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Has it? And people are saying it's doing a lot for the Latin X community. Okay. Um, so I would quite like to see it. But what I find interesting is we didn't see The Flash on the cinema. And yes, we were away in Mallorca when it came out. But like, if that was a Marvel film, we'd be watching it the day we get back kind of thing. Yeah. So... I'm looking at the DC box office and I'm like, they're not doing very well. And then I use me as an example. I'm like, well, if we're not seeking them out, yeah, but then we seek everything out. I think that when it comes to superheroes, people generally fall into either Marvel fans or DC fans. And if we were DC fans, we would have well, sorted out. My brother always says to me that, and I've read a few comics, and I'd probably agree that on a whole, DC comics are better. And they're ripe for storytelling. They've got amazing characters. And I really wish they could get it right. Because it would be good. A lot but of I wonder thinks... if shared universes are coming to a bit of an end. Maybe. I think that... Because Marvel's DC having a wobble, isn't it? superheroes have stupid names. What, like? Like... Blue Beetle and You know there's Shazam. a Marvel film. There's a Marvel character called Squirrel Girl. Yeah, I know. But she's not got a film. Not yet. <laughs> but yeah, like I even... think Ant-Man is a stupid name well, as yeah. well, actually. Even, you know, there's rumours that after the, the final Avengers film that they've announced, they've announced two, that'll be almost like a MCU reboot as well, or soft reboot. I just think DC needs to go away for a bit do Superman Legacy and have like a hard, hard reboot after. I mean, they've got Aquaman 2 dated for December and we've you not seen any trailer for that yet, which yeah. is a bit strange. So 
I just think he needs to have a bit of a theatrical break. I think next year the only DC film is Joker 2, which isn't technically in. Like, Well, this I think what DC probably shouldn't do is try to make a DC version of the MCU, which I feel like is what they're going to do. Well, they've anyway. hired James Gunn, so... Yeah. yeah. But, like, it's already done. Find something different and better that you can do no but like the way comics are though it's it's right to create that kind of cinematic universe though yeah i know but if they try and do it the same way as the mcu then it's just gonna feel like a cheap copy happened by almost by accident oh pretty like they were like right we'll have a go at iron man we'll have a go at captain america we'll have a go at thor and then all of a sudden you had like, the first Avengers the film and, and let's, you know, it worked. It wasn't like a But that's what I mean. It happened all, plan. And that was when the MCU was, like, consistently good. It found its stride, stayed there, and then feels like it's tailed off a bit because I think when the MCU was at its best was when it kind of grew organically, whereas now it feels like they're planning, like, way too much i just think i just think they're setting, well them, setting themselves up for failure yeah i think um, a marvel I feel film like used DC to feel like do the same an event yeah. and even when i go see them now it doesn't feel like that kind of event cinema anymore yeah it's like yeah i'll go see the latest marvel film but it's not like i used to get when i used to hear that marvel crawl at the beginning used to get me little hairs on my arms used to stand oh. up so yeah, wow. but other other than that, again, we're in August. We're we're in the strike. There's not much really going on, even though we've just talked about news for ten minutes. But what a time we've had! But now it's time to cast our minds into the future and get excited for what's coming up in the world of film. It's time now for trailer trash or treasure. And I'm going to ask you, what have we got this time? Even because though last I've time you stole my line. put it in. But would you like to give the title? And I'll give a bit of context before we dive in. Why do you want some context? I always introduce it a little bit. What have we got? Maestro. We do. So Maestro is a biographical drama that will follow the relationship between Leonard Bernstein, the famous composer, and his wife. Um, It's directed by Bradley Cooper. So his second feature film since A Star Is Born. Um, and there's a lot of talent surrounding this from a producer perspective. So three top-line producers are Martin Scorsese, Bradley Cooper, and Steven Spielberg. So Lovely. let's dive in. As always, um, the link is in the show notes. If you'd like to pause and watch along, and we'll see you after the sparkles. So... Um, <laughs> I thought it looked lovely. It does look lovely, and it does. It's a very muted, understated trailer. Nothing much happens. Yes, I think there's quite an artistic vibe going on with its production. And I think obviously a lot of this film is going to be the relation, like the acting between Carrie Mulligan and Bradley Cooper. Yes. Um, it's the era of the composer. With this and Tar in January. Tar. Oh my god, that feels like ages ago. I know, ago, it does, doesn't it? Still in my top ten of the year, I think. Mm. Um, have you seen all the controversy that this trailer caused? This maestro? Yes. No. So Bradley Cooper is wearing a prosthetic nose. Oh, I have heard about that. Um, who Some, some people criticised it as Jewface following... The, re- the release of the trailer now ah, I... akin to blackface like yeah Jew-fake. yeah okay. i think so um it's been quite interesting because i'm not going to comment on my opinion because i shouldn't really have one um but what is interesting is that bernstein's children defended Brad- bradley cooper mm. and him using a prosthetic makeup stating that they worked with cooper throughout the filmmaking process and that they're in quotes Dad would have been fine with it. Yeah. So. Well, that feels like um, consideration for those close enough to the story to have an opinion on it was taken with great care. It's so, not as if they did it without the consent exactly. or, you know. 
So um, I think I'll reserve judgment. I think it's going to be a very much a character study. I think the only, and it's premiering at Venice Film Festival um, later in the year. Oh, it actually starts next week, Venice Film Festival. Um, but my only, I'm a bit cynical about this trailer. Why? I felt like I asked an AI, <laughs> produce me a trailer for a film that we want to win Oscars. Okay. And that's what it looked like. Well, I mean, if they want to win some Oscars. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. Um, trailer, trash or treasure? I'm going to put it in treasure. I'm going to put it at the top of the trash. Also, it comes out on Netflix so on December 20th. 20th. 20th yeah. Just in time for Christmas. I think it'd be a really nice, like... Slow... Yeah, one to watch when you've eaten your dinner, you've all finished, like, you just want a bit of a chill before everyone gets drinking again and (laughs) the night turns silly. It is getting a limited cinema release as well in November. Is it? Um, I don't know what that looks like in the UK. Um, Sometimes, like, the the everyman's or the the indie-type cinemas show those kind of films. Mm. I can't imagine that being shown in Cineworld. Um, no, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, um, light trash for me due to the cynicism, I think. Okay. Um, and now it's time for this week's headline feature red, white. It's really hard to say that title when you're not think when you it's easy to say when you're not thinking about it, but you're overthinking red, white, and royal blue. Coming up right after this quick break. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Righto. Red, white, and royal blue. Shall I start with a bit of a Go on. synopsis? And Ned didn't do one, so I'm pulling my IMDB card and just quoting that but right. when the feud between the son of the american president american president so it's just when you read it and then you actually see the film it sounds a lot more serious than it actually is read it and britain's prince threatens to drive a wedge between u.s british relations the two are forced into a staged truce that sparks something deeper oh sounds as raunchy as it is <laughs> it's not that raunchy I mean, it's like scandalous. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start this with everything I'm gonna say about this film, you'll be shocked at the star rating I give it at the end. Because from the moment it starts with that cake scene, it is corny Hang as on. hell. Like you've, you've skipped a scene that's even cornier than the cake, cake scene. It does a little bit of exposition at the very start, which is basically a news report about the royal wedding. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's... A, is it a British journalist or an American journalist? And just the way they're reporting about this royal wedding, it must be what it's like to watch... CNN. Well, to watch, like, Anglophone reporters if you're not living in an Anglophone country. See, like, I, imagine that's, I imagine that's what, like, American news coverage is like of royal weddings. Yeah, but I think it might have been a British reporter, so it's 
Has it been written by an American, this film? Because um, a lot of the... I mean, it's based on a book. Yeah. Um, and Matthew Lopez, the director and screenwriter, is American. Yeah, it feels um, very American in the way... Even the way the, like, British characters speak their lines feels American. Yeah. So that's one thing. And it also plays to me when you start and you get to this cake fight. And I mean, God, when I say this is corny, it is so corny. Oh, my God. Um, It feels like it could be like a Hallmark movie. How I imagine a Hallmark movie's like. Yeah. You have to just... It's one of those films where you you start it and you're like, oh, my God, this is absolutely horrendous. Yeah. And then slowly you get brought around by the characters... And the plot is fine, but I think to, I'm almost going to start at the end of my review, it's like, it does a fine enough job with what it's got, in my opinion. I have a sneaking feeling that unless you are a gay man or a woman who has lots of gay man friends, you'll probably not like it. But I don't think it's made for... No, I know, I know, I know. I don't think it's made for mass. That's why it probably no, didn't get a cinema release. I agree. Did it, so. It's absolutely not made for mass. But I think that even though we're probably going to be quite complimentary of it overall, I think if any of our listeners aren't gay men and then go and watch it, they'll be like, what the fuck did these two watch? Because this is dog shit. But I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean... The premise, the opening premise, like, I keep talking about this cake fight, but this, and I said it in the synopsis, so there's a cake fight, which is silly. Very silly. And the way it all starts is that has had a horrendous effect on the relationship between the UK and the US. And you've got, we should say our two main characters are Alex Claremont Diaz, who is the first... Son? son? Is that what they call it? I think so. The son of the, president. the US president, played by Emma Thurman. With a fantastic Fantastic. southern drawl she oh, was putting on. I was gorgeous. like, what is going on here? Absolutely um, stunning. So we've got him, and then we've got Prince Henry, who I think is like third in line to the throne. Like someone would have to die for him to get it current in the current setup. Yeah. Um, once Philip has kids, that's him gone. Yeah. Um, but... It is the fact that them having a cake fight has put barriers in place for the trade deal. It's something that the president do... is working on with the British Prime Minister. I was like, it's nah. because they're both um, diplomats, isn't it? And yeah. the political class of the world seems to place a lot of importance on. Um, like symbol symbolic relationships, really. And if a cake fight is any kind of um symbolism for the state of their relationship, then they ought to fix it. But even in that cake fight, and then the few scenes after where they have to make up, yeah, they've got really good chemistry, and they're almost flirting yeah. straight away. Like yeah. even during the cake fight, I'm like, you two don't hate each other. You really just want to. You are rock hard right now. <laughs> um, yeah, like Stonehenge. That was a line that made me... There was actually a few... I mean, the script is, again, corny as hell, but there are a few. So you better hope the sun shines out of your ass and you have a vitamin D deficiency. That's not what the line is. Is it not? <laughs> it's like, when you see him... This is... Oh, this is... Um, Alex's advi- advisor, like, like political she's, advisor. Yeah, she's yeah. a political advisor of some sort. And in the she's US. funny. And she is so funny, very dry, very like cutting. Um, she's like, when you see Prince Henry, you better act like the sun shines out of his ass and you have a vitamin oh, D. Oh, right. Deficiency. Okay, that was it. And then some of the other lines, which, you know, if you're, this is where, when Ned's saying about being gay, you probably would only get this, but like, he's the first 50 rows of a Gaga concert kind of gay. I was yeah. like, that. that's like something us and our friends would sit, like when you're describing what type of gay somebody is, yeah. that was that was funny. 
Um, yeah. And then when they've been in the closet and they get disturbed and he says... Oh, my God. Like Stonehenge that. and then Your Royal Hardness. That's um, really funny. That was made me but giggle. going back to Zara, the... Um, the one who made the vitamin D comment, she's got some absolutely cracking lines. And I mean cracking in the sense that no real person would ever say them, which makes them so camp. Um, (laughs) On this trade deal that this cake fight has jeopardised, she says, um, it took thousands of hours and gallons of tea. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To negotiate this trade deal. (laughs) And when she's telling them uh, off when they get caught in the hotel room, she says to Prince Henry, she's like, if anybody sees you leave this hotel, I will Brexit your head from your Oh body. my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it, there was, yeah, there was a few lines like that. My, oh. my jaw was on the floor. I was like, and in no the same room, like that. In the same room as Prince Henry, she's like um, telling Alex off. You're the one who decided to put your dick into the air of the British throne. <laughs> I said, like, in some of these scenes, and even you quoting it now, I was like, this is playing, like, a drag race acting challenge. Yeah. Like, some of the, some of the line, yeah. like, you can imagine yeah. them, like, how can we make a funny line about gay yeah. shit? Um, that's how it played. Um, some oh really cringe lines as well. Uh, oh go on! Have you just wrote the full screenplay down? Uh, well, we we rewatched it so we could make podcast notes. Yeah. So every time a funny line came up, I made a quick note. <laughs> you know when they're like um, asking each other about each other's family, um, and he's like, "Well, what's your full name then?" And Prince Henry has like eight names, yeah. and Alex also has like six names, and he's like, "Oh, and I thought my name was a mouthful." Um, I remember <laughs> Prince Henry's like here's <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god it's so gay there was proper cringe lines <laughs> as well he's like I will break the sound barrier for you when he oh, gets on the plane I was like oh cringe but there was actually quite a nice line when Alex meets his dad and he's like I don't know what I Alex is like I don't know what I think of this and his dad says something like, sometimes you've got to jump and hope you're not standing on a cliff. Yeah. Which I thought was quite... Um, I think it's supposed to be heartfelt. I thought it was. Okay. You just got to... Basically, it's like you just got to go for it sometimes yeah. and hope it doesn't... Hope it doesn't fail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was quite cute. Mm. I did find the... I mean, the acting was of variable qualities across the film. But I did think the two yeah. leads... Taylor Zakar Perez and Nicholas Galitzin as Prince Henry. I did think they carried, I mean, they are the leads, but they did carry the film. There wasn't necessarily horrendous acting in other places. Um, I, I mean, thought... we did have Uma Thurman in this. Yeah. And like, but it was just, they did, the other characters seemed to do what they could do with. I didn't think what the political mean? reporter was very good. But he was a snake anyway. No, he was a dickhead anyway. Um, and as, no, I didn't think he was all that convincing. Um, um, the only, I must say, as much as I love it, the only two characters I didn't see an actor playing this character was Uma Thurman's US president and, um, oh, what's her name? Alex's best pal... In the office. Nora, maybe? Oh, I thought she was quite cute. Yeah, I thought she was really good. Her and Uma Thurman were the two that I was like, I'm watching you as your characters. Whereas everyone else, I was like, I'm watching an actor doing an acting role. <laughs> Even the lead? Yeah. For a lot of it. When they fell in love, it was a little bit more I convincing. I actually can't believe that Uma Thurman was in this. I think she must have just been like, yeah, I'll take this. It's one of those roles where I can really be like... This is how 
um, parents should be when their kids come Yeah, out. I did I did get the feeling I was like, because I think Uma Thurman is a bit of an ally, yeah. for sure. And like, when she did that scene when Alex oh, comes out to her God, and she's that like, was so calm. what are you? Are you a top or a bottom? Or, if you're bottoming, yeah, um, you we're going to need to get HPV. you the HPV vaccine. <laughs> we can get you on prep. Yeah. Um, you should know that if you're doing anal, <laughs> you should use a condom. <laughs> Oh my god! So and fun. it was like I was like, has Uma Thurman craved saying this as a mother? <laughs> she she just enjoying. Um, but I, yeah, it was. Mm. What I, I was just shocked that she was in it. Like really shocked. I really enjoyed her. Um, in it, I've got a thing for social, like social media and messaging in films. Like when people are texting and stuff, and I thought it was done quite well. I thought it was done really cleverly, actually. Yeah, because yeah. they put like Henry. Is it Henry? Henry and Alex. Henry, like when the walk when they're texting each other, they were also in the same frame. Yeah, and I thought and that then, was quite like, clever. While Alex was out on a run, Henry was sat on a bench replying yeah. to his text, and then as Alex ran past the bench, Henry disappeared. Yeah, and then they were having a phone call. <laughs> Um, quite late at night in bed and they were lying on the same bed in the Yes, they were. The frame, yeah. but, and they weren't holding phones. No. But it was a phone call. Yeah. Which was fun. Yeah. Um, I quite liked the political side of it, you know. I did as well, you know. We're going to flip Texas. Alex being all, I know I am like the son of the president, but I want to be really involved in this campaign. I mean, that I've does quite happen. Good ideas. That does happen quite often in the American political system. The full family gets involved. Well, I know. But... I liked it. So did I. And he had really good ideas by all accounts. And he was being all, yes, this is me. This is me, like, leaving my mark on politics. I'm really taking, you know, a stand for working class people in America, etc., etc. Um, and it did get into the immigrant struggle a bit as well. Yeah. Especially that dichotomy between, obviously, Henry's privileged life. And then I think Alex says something like, if you've got a Z in your name, in your fa- in your last name. It's not very many people that look like you in yeah. positions of power. Um, but I, I did quite like that, you know, he shared his immigrant struggle and what it's like in America. And yes, Henry shared what he's been through in the sense that he's kind of trapped in a, this institution that he feels like yeah. is archaic. Yeah, yeah. Which the two issues aren't equal, but they're no. probably... They offer something well, on, no, on which the, both the, the characters where it's can like, relate oh, it's, to. It, it's within, oh, like when people say, like when your dad used to say, there's kids starving in Africa if you didn't eat your dinner. You say, it's all relative. Yeah. I mean, it's not, but you know what I mean. Like, Henry does have struggles and they're relative to him and yeah. Alex has his struggles but I like that they both had their own things going on. Yes. Um, I thought it was quite an obvious choice, well, a, a deliberate choice to have both a female president and a female UK Prime Minister. A black woman UK yeah. Prime Minister, yes. Yeah, I thought that was quite nice. Um, yeah. I Could you, I felt like it was really hard to ignore the parallels of like, our current royal family. Uh, Harry and Meghan. Yeah. Absolutely. Diana and... Isn't... What's his... King Charles as well. If you want to go further um, back. Isn't Harry's actual first name Henry as well? I don't know. I think it might be. When was the book written though? Let me see when the book was written because... Because it's weird... We might be... Gra- I mean... It's oh, weirdly it reflective. It's weirdly reflective of the whole Harry and Meghan saga. They'd met in 2019, hadn't they? Yeah, and the British public had already decided that they didn't want a black person in the royal family. That's not true. Did they not? The British public were really on board uh, with it to well, start Well, the British with, media but... were telling the British public that they didn't want... Not even... No, I remember, not getting into I remember that, but... the headlines. Anyway, Yeah. it did feel... Um... But there's so many parallels to it. Yeah. It's like forbidden love. Yeah, you can't exactly. do that because we're in an institution. We have, you to, have to uphold stick to the traditional the... image. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Bullshit. 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 Yeah. Fake problems manufactured. Yeah. To uh, uphold the um, whatever it is. I do want to give a shout out to the director, um, Matthew Lopez, because I don't think a lot of people will know him. 
um, because he hasn't done all that many films, um, but he's a very, very well-known playwright and screenwriter, um, and he did a play called The Inheritance, which um, was all, it was like, it was very kind of unpicking queer politics in modern life and how it, how being queer in a neoliberal society looks like and it actually premiered in london before it then transferred to broadway mm. um and some of the reviews said it's the most important american play of the century um, oh. and i remember when it was on and i used to hear a lot about it and i always really wanted to see it but there's so many shows i always want to see that i never get to chance to go down to london for yeah um but he is very like well known and 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 talks a lot about you know, he's openly gay himself. Yeah. He does a lot of, talks a lot about um, queer culture and different themes surrounding it. And I just think it's quite nice that he took this pretty twee, light, uh, fictional book and made a film from it. Yeah, um, but, cute. you know, he is, he's the most honoured American, oh, the play is the most honoured American play in a generation, sweeping the best play mm-hmm. awards in both London and New York, including, I won't say them all, but I'll say the important ones, Tony Award, Olivia Award, Drama Desk Award, Evening Standard Award, London Critics Circle Award, and a shed load of others. And what's his name? Matthew Lopez. Congrats, so I Matthew am excited Lopez. to see what he potentially does next. Lovely. He signed an overall television development deal with Amazon Studios, so... um. Yeah, apparently he's working on a reimagining of the 1992 Whitney Houston box office hit, The Bodyguard. Oh, interesting. But we'll, yeah. um, Yeah, so I just wanted to give him a shout out because I always think, especially with script, like um, writers and like screenwriters don't often get the spotlight and Mm. these films wouldn't exist without well-written script. I mean, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I always think it's nice to shout yeah. out. I'd love to interview him. For sure. If you're listening, Matthew Lopez. Um, any more words on Matthew Lopez? No. Lovely. Who was your favourite non-main character? Uh, Alex's political person. There's Zara. a scene where Alex and Har- Henry have kind of See, I'm saying Harry. That's how many parallels there are. Um, there's a scene where he's a bit sad because they're not talking and he can't get to speak to Henry because they've took his phones off him, which is mad. Um, well, is it mad or did they just discover that all of their intimate emails have been leaked? Well, I know, I know, but yeah. But she's doing these, when he's like moping, she's doing these facial expressions that I really noticed the second time watching it. And it is so funny. funny. She was my favourite. What about you? My favourite was Alex's bodyguard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who could easily go unnoticed if you are too distracted by Alex's gorgeous eyes. (laughs) Um, But she is party to a lot of the kind of key plot points and has some cracking lines so the first time that alex and henry end up a little bit close for comfort is in during a hospital visit when they're like faking their reconciliation after oh the i know fight. what line you're gonna say here i think and um <laughs> suddenly you hear like bang 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 and she throws them into a broom <laughs> cupboard and runs off. Then they have this little, like, conversation or whatever and start to make friends, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and when she's back, she's, like, threat, nu- uh, threat neutralised. Some kid decided to bring um, fireworks for his friend. <laughs> and Alex goes, when you say neutralise, and she's just like, it's a good job he's in the hospital, and winks. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. It was funny. Um, and she also facilitates their first, like... Um, PG-13 scene where where they're at the White House and she gets them in a room together and then they don't even speak before they're necking on and then she 
uh, walks in and is like, okay, guys, you've been too long, and catches them in the act. Yeah, it's funny when she's like, oh my God. She turns around, she's like, oh, no, not doing this. So Um, I just walked in on them shagging. Well, talking of shagging, um, I'd like to just talk about the intimacy scenes. Now, both of these men aren't are easy to look at, let's say. They are. Especially Alex, in my opinion, but we've all got our types. I think you were team Alex. David and Joshua, we were watching I wouldn't the kick first. either of them out, no. to be honest. In fact, I'd want... <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, anyway, um, the intimacy scenes, like, they were nice. They were. Then... I could have done with a bit of, like... No, I don't... Like, I always say, oh, I could do with a bit of lube action to see how it happens. But do you think that actually putting that in a film would either be a bit too on the nose or a bit off-putting? Probably. I don't know. Because it's like, it's real. But this one came about as close as I've ever seen in a gay film, a gay sex scene, to including that. And afterwards, when they were like lying there all naked and under the bed sheets, there was lube on one bedside table and condom wrappers on the other. Oh, I saw the condom wrappers. So it was there. It just you didn't see them like pumping it onto oh, their hands and like God. <laughs> l- lubing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there was that. But I did think no. They did seem to skip all of the foreplay though. Oh, we went straight into it. Straight didn't we? in there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what goes on at elite boarding schools, as Henry alluded to. So. Yeah. Could be ready and raring. Could... Don't <laughs> go there <laughs> anymore. No. no. I'm not going to finish that sentence. Fat family listen to these sometimes. I think we're... No, they don't. They do. Um, Stephen Fry listens to this. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, A very good king. king. There was a bit where he walked in the room. I was like, is he going to speak? <laughs> there was, was like a, a long, long time before God, you his really first curled line. your tongue there long. when you said long. <laughs> um, <laughs> to keep talking. That really got me. Well, there was a long time long. Before, before he <laughs> said his line, wasn't there? And I was just like, you are so dramatic, Mr. King. He probably didn't get to meet Uma Thurman either, which is a bit of a shame. No, they weren't in the same scene. Ever. No. But it was like, I can imagine that's like the Queen wanted to see Harry and Meghan. Except, um, maybe with Harry and Meghan, fine. But if Harry, if Meghan was a man and it was Harry and Meghan, the Queen would not let them two stand on that front balcony. Oh, I mean, that was, that wouldn't happen. No, but what I, I mean, did I don't love... think people would be stood in the streets with loads of rainbow flags Excuse either. Excuse me, but what <laughs> did I love about that scene is that... He was getting a telling off by the king, and then Beatrice, the sister, was reading her phone like, oh my God, there's crowds gathering outside Buckingham Palace. And in Manchester. Oh my God, Manchester, Cardiff, Cardiff, (laughs) Edinburgh. Oh. And it was kind of cute that they were getting this telling off, and then it kind of, there was a shot of them looking out the window, and you could see the reflection of the crowd. Um, and, and there was the loads pride of flags. pride flags, and it was really kind of heartwarming. It was actually, and a actually little bit like uh, lump in the throat. Yeah. So liked that. Yeah. Um, I did get annoyed. I'm nearly done with my notes, but I did get really annoyed with the like the fact that the their emails leaked, and there I was did that as well. horrible political jealous reporter. Yeah. Um, but I was like that again. That has happened. Yeah. Didn't that happen Not with Charles unrealistic. and Diana? Probably. It was a Wasn't voice it in mail. the crown? Yeah, but a modern version would yeah, be emails, yeah. wouldn't it? So, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Another thing that I was like, how did you not see this coming, though, was when they went to the V&A late at night, as if there was no CCTV. What's the song he played when they danced, though? Oh, it was um, I Can't Help Falling Falling in Love with You. And it was my favourite version of that. It's the Perfume Genius cover. And I used to listen to it all the time. Should we have an hour wedding at some point? Yeah. Um, Not that we're engaged yet. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just itching my finger. (laughs) My ring finger. Um, 
But yeah, so after all that, where are we at with star ratings? Uh, what did I give it? Oh, yeah. So I gave it three. Like, don't watch if you're straight. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's one of those films that it's, it's either chance. really low, like one. one quality, or you love it and it's five star. It's so, not five. So I went, <laughs> I split the difference. Five? It's one of those. The difference. It's then. shit, but no. I loved it. The stars you should be going between if you want to split the difference is one and three and landing on two. No. There's no way you could even begin to call this a five-star film. Depends how you feel. No. No. No, because some people love shit films. Like, you love shark films even though they're shit. Your own words from earlier this very episode. I'm fuming. Can we move on to the gay? <laughs> now let's unsheath the gay. <laughs> it's a wonderful piece of machinery devised by Ned's own hand. Have you changed this script? No. And we use it to rank all the films and TV we discussed based on their LGBTQ plus appeal. Let's see why the gaydar ranks red, white, and royal blue. Oh, zip stuck a little bit. That's stuff is rusty. Rusty spins, not rusty. <laughs> oh my god, it's off the scale. <laughs> it's not quite off the scale, actually. It comes in just shy of Heartstopper. I agree, because, and the reason why is... It's the same reason as... Heartstopper has a wider diversity of representation. Bang on yeah. the money. This was very... Just the G. This is just... Oh, well, and the B. And sorry. The B. Yeah, yeah, sorry. But it was too very conventionally attractive... Gorgeous men. Men. <laughs> <laughs> Those dark eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yes, that is so why... So we've got Heart Stopper, Stopper currently. Red, white and royal blue. And then what's underneath? Barbie. Why are you enunciating the way you enunciating in parts of this like Draco Malfoy? Potter. <laughs> Barbie. No, I did that like Barb and Star. Barb and Star. Barb. Oh. We can can we do an episode on Barb and Star? Yeah. Yeah. Well actually we're gonna go see Strays this week and I didn't realise it's directed by the same person. I've heard that it's not very good though. What is your reversion to the cinema at the minute? You never wanna go. No, I just want something good to watch. The Nun 2's out soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything else to say? No, that's Okay, it. well that's all for this time, listeners. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Gaze on Film Pod. And you can check out our Letterboxd accounts. The links are in the show notes. We would love to hear your thoughts on this film. Yes, so please we would. do feel free to drop us a message. I have been Ned. And I have been Declan. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.